you have to know your audience, right? And you, you have to also know where they're at in the buyer's journey. So, you know, if they're, if they're just kind of looking around, scoping things out, um, versus if they're like totally ready to pull the trigger, those are two different messages. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another uh, Wise and Addicts episode. Uh, I'm Ricardo Vivian, your host. I am a business development lead here at Wise and Addicts and also a customer success. Um, I'm having the chance to interview lots of the people that make the industry happen on a business and marketing slash communication uh, point of view. And today I have the chance to interview here Sarah Silver. Uh, Sarah is a marketing manager at Diamond V, a, ca a company that provides fermentation technology to producers worldwide, focused on gut health, human strength, and performance. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, Ricardo. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, so, Sarah, uh, you and I, we, we met a few times already. We've done a, few, uh, a recording in the past. Also, we had some technical problems. But here you are again to share your thoughts and points of view with our audience. Uh, and I would like to start, uh, you know, hearing, listening a little bit more about you. And, you know, if you can tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, thanks for having me. First off, it's, it's always great to catch up with you and, and love to, to share learnings about, um, about my career. So I live in um, Northeast Iowa and um, currently... I've uh, been with Diamond V for about three and a half years as a, a marketing manager on their um, dairy, beef, and swine species. Um, and But really, I've spent my whole career in animal agriculture and, and really specifically, mostly marketing. Um, I've done some sales, some sales management, um, but really the, the core of it is, is around marketing. Um, I grew up and about 40 miles from where we live now um, on a swine, beef, and dairy farm. I was the youngest of six kids, and so um, we had lots of things to keep us busy on the farm, whether it was feeding calves or rubbing cows or, or whatnot, but um, really um, grew to love um, really the more the dairy side of, of the business more than anything, closely followed by beef. But um so yeah, so um, I have a degree in public relations, and like I said, I've spent the majority of my career in in animal agriculture, and um, probably the last oh close to fifteen years has been specifically in the dairy industry, um, and so really love love to see the evolution in the industry, love to see um, just how much better we're getting, um, whether it's, it's around animal health or um, just discovering more about the animal and things we can do to impact it, to be proactive. And um, so, yeah, that's a little about, bit about me. I'm married. I have two little boys. Uh, Isaac is eight and Ian is five. Uh, we have a little dog named Rita. And um, yeah, so super involved in the boys' is school, PTO, school board, um, whatnot. So we're in the thick of soccer season right now. So that's very, very fun for us. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you have a, a, a long career. Well, if we count the days when you were young and you were working uh, in the farm with your parents, you're, it's a, uh, a lifelong uh, experience in farming and dairy. That's awesome. And uh, Sarah, uh, for us to understand a little bit more about just your story, 
if you could highlight like the three top experiences you had so far in your life, and those can be again professional, personal, anything. Yeah, um, it's a good question. Definitely growing up on the farm, um, I loved. Um, sure, there were days that um, I would argue and and whatnot, but um, I loved being with the animals. I still love being with animals. Um, I have a true, true passion for, um, just the health of, of specifically dairy animals. Um, so that's a big one. I, I credit a lot of my, just a lot of things I learned from my parents about diversification in your business and about hard work and about the ability to, if you work hard, you earn the right to play hard. And, um, so just really that, that definitely set the foundation. And, you know, being the, I was the youngest of six kids and, and those five, I would say those five, they're all a lot closer in age than I am. And so by the time I got old enough to actually be a good contributor, my sisters were already off to college. And so, um, you know, I got, I got to do a lot of, ex a lot of experiences maybe they didn't get to do, whether it was, um, you know, hauling, or delivering feed in the feed truck or whether it was, you know, going to farm sales with my dad or whatnot. So that was, it was really a cool, it, it was cool. Um, I, I would say probably second, um, would be having kids, right? <laughs> they they require more patience than baby calves. Um, and, uh, that, that really, you know, it was a long, it was a long road for us to have kids, but, um, I, I love being a mom and I love being a boy's mom specifically. Um, and, and so that's, that's really a top, definitely a top experience for me. And, um, pro probably managing people would be my third one. Um, I have a big, that's a big passion of mine as well as, um, just developing leaders and helping people be their best and having those tough conversations of, you know, how do we get from point A to point B? And I'm definitely not a micromanager. I'm a, I don't manage time. I manage outcomes. And um, so, yeah, so I'd say those are probably my top three. Perfect. That's good. I'm going to get uh, back in a few of those points later because I'm really curious, uh, especially about managing people. Of course, family is top priority for uh, all of us. So, but when it comes to, you know, to the professional development and everything, this is, I think this is all, all will, will always be a hot topic, like managing people. It's, you know, how to get the, the, the most of your team. So good. And, uh, so this is the part when we do like some kind of transition from, you know, a little bit more on your personal side to your professional side, business marketing and all of that. And the way we do this transition is asking uh, to you, how would your parents describe what you do today? <laughs> well, my mom's in my kitchen currently listening to my conversation, so I suppose I could ask her, but, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, so my parents, so, you know, the unique thing about my parents is they both um, haven't had an eighth grade education. My dad has passed. My mom's still super active. And uh, my mom, you know, went to a one room schoolhouse, right, which is really different than the opportunities that we had. Um, growing up and, and I, I think that, you know, they, they certainly showed all of us kids that if you want anything bad enough, you, you can work for it and get it right. Um, 
I, I'm not sure. You know, I think I think they would probably say um, that I work in agriculture and that um, I help communicate. Um, I help communicate messages about agriculture and about animal health. They definitely would say that I'm very passionate about baby calves and I would give any, I will jump at any experience to be able to work with baby calves. Um, but at the end of the day, and certainly my brothers, at the end of the day, I'm just the little sister, right? And so, um, and so, yeah, I think, I think that to help people know about products and about specifically baby calves, I think is how they would talk about it. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. So now talking about marketing and about business and all of that. Uh, so you've been, uh, you've been working marketing more specifically in uh, dairy marketing for a while now. Um, what are the main tools or the main tactics you use? You know, the main things you have in your toolbox today when it comes to marketing, which are the tools you are essential for you? Yeah. Um, I think first and foremost, you have to know your customer, right? You can come out with the coolest thing in the world, but if your customer doesn't need it or doesn't believe that he or she needs it, it was really a waste. And so those customer insights and whether they're formal or informal, um, I, I think are really key. Um, and while I think, you know, our sales teams, they know a tremendous amount, there's still value in validating with the producer themselves on what inputs you've gotten from your sales team. Um, I think no matter no matter who you are, it's human nature to have um, a view and um, and a bias. And so um, it's always it is always best to absolutely get those customer insights. So I think that would be that would definitely be one of them. The other thing that I think is really important as you go to build a marketing plan or a business plan is to really have a um, a a SWOT analysis that is, uh, I like to do them evergreen. So we're constantly looking at them and constantly, for sure, annually looking at them um, and being really, really real in those and vulnerable and willing to, um, you know, anybody can talk about their strengths and their, you know, that's the easiest thing to talk about. But people, what people sometimes really struggle with is talking about their weaknesses, right? And the, and the threats to their business. But you'll never develop that opportunities bucket if you, if you can't be real with yourself in those in those threats and weaknesses buckets, and so um, I've always been a fan of that of that tool. I know it's 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 an oldie but a goodie, but um, it's really helped to develop. You know, I think some of those key those key learnings um, that you you know you take from those market those those customer insights, and you can bring those into that that SWOT analysis to then really get a sound um, a sound uh, plan going forward. The other thing that I think, and, and, you know, the larger the company, I feel like the more imperative it is, is to really have um, that key message guide that is kind of that that focus of truth, right? So whether it's for a product or for it, uh, you know, if it's for a segment of your market, um, maybe it's a particular species, I think that key message guide of like, who is the audience? What is it that you want them to hear and why, right? And and hear and or do and um and if they're not hearing and or doing that what else might they be doing and so um i think those are probably the three things and they're kind of go in chronological order right you have to have you have to have the inputs of the first one to feed into the second one um to then feed into those key message guides 
So I think those are probably the three that that stick out to me as as kind of mission critical to have. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, SWOT analysis. As you mentioned, uh, it's not a very new tool, but it's really effective. One thing that uh, I liked when I hear you talking about this is that you visit, you revisit uh, the SWOT analysis at least once a year. And that's something I think that sometimes marketing professionals, well, uh, people with uh, more experience, I don't think they they have this problem a lot, but you need to see this as something dynamic because it, it changes a lot. As your company changes, you grow, uh, your strength uh, and also your weaknesses are not going to be the same a few months from uh, from now or a year from now. So you need to understand this as something that is constantly changing and it's dynamic. Otherwise, you're going to have the wrong image uh, and you're going to have then the wrong message to the uh, to the audience uh, also. And when it comes to customer feedback, uh, this, this is this is uh, something that I, I think it's a little bit funny because uh, I see a lot of concepts uh, you know, new new concepts coming up uh, when it comes to marketing and everything and customer experience. And for me, not I don't mean that there's not new things. Of course, there are. There are a lot of them. But I also think that sometimes people are just changing the the wording or you know uh, the perspective because it's all about listening to the customer, right? Or and understanding them, not only listening but really analyzing them. Sometimes there are things that, uh, well, the customer or the audience, they don't know they need, or they, you know, they don't have the awareness about it. So that's also important, not only listening to them, but also anal analyzing them from outside. But at the end, we, you know, it's a, it's a trend now. Everything is like customer uh, or um, not customer, user-centered, you know, oh, user experience and all of that. That's that's actually what it's not something really new. It's more about the way people are approaching it, right? It's essential. If you want to go to the market, yeah. you need to understand where you are. Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, and so you've for for how long have you been working marketing again? It's been what? How many years? Uh, yeah, almost twenty years. Almost twenty years. Twenty years next year. Okay, awesome. And. Uh, how have you? Uh, how are you perceiving the changes from when you started and where we are right now, especially when it comes to the digital arena? Because it's part of everyone's lives today, regardless where people live. Uh, with a few exceptions, it's part like everyone has a phone, everyone is aware of what's going on. Uh, they can have access uh, to information about anywhere in the world. So how how do you perceive the changes? in the market, in the in the audience, in the customers, and also in the company uh, with the, you know, the advantage of digital media? Yeah, no, it's, that's a really good question. Um, it's changed a lot, right, in 20 years. And, and 20 years ago, we wouldn't have dreamt of doing, you know, we wouldn't have dreamt of doing some of the things that we do now. Um, you know, it, and it goes so fast, which I think is my, it changes so fast. And you know, and I am, I'm not, I am not an, an expert on, on algorithms and all of those things, right? I, that's one of my beliefs is you have to surround yourself with talented people. And so having those, those people at your fingertips is, is key. Um, 
But I think it's it's really helped us to um, touch people in multiple ways. And and we could do that 20 years ago, right? Whether it was billboards and and email blasts and whatnot. But um, I, I think this really does, um, you have to meet people where they're at and you have to know how your audience likes to receive information, right? If I even look at our business, how beef producers want to receive information is different than dairy producers here in the U.S., for example. Um, there are definitely some similarities, but um, th- there's definitely some some ways that those two audiences are different. And I think with the flexibility of all the tools we have in our toolbox, I think it really allows us to, um, to meet people where they're at, whether they're fully engaged in digital and want all of their information to come there, or if they, you know, are just Facebookers and, and that's, that's their, that's their engagement. Um, you know, it's, it's funny you bring this up. We we're in the midst of a heat stress campaign here in the U S targeted to dairy producers. And we're doing all different kinds of tactics. We're doing, you know, um, programmatics and email retargeting. And, um, we have a, a direct old school direct mail campaign and, and we've got text blasts and social media and, um, you know, boosted posts and and whatnot. We're really going to try to analyze what what was it that was most successful. What what really allowed us to engage with that audience, and and what I think we'll see is that, um, and I think what we'll see is that that folks, um, it's all the above, right? Because our our the the age demographic of our audience is is varies the level of technical, um, you know their their willingness to engage in a digital platform varies um and you know i'm I'm so far and we're only just a little ways into our campaign but so far i've been really surprised at still how effective direct mail is in our in in our industry and um and that's i'm pleasantly surprised and I, i am happy to see that but um i think just with those you know those digital platforms it really can help us to um, you know, it does really take those so many touches, right, to get your your information across. And then and knowing that with digital, you can do that so much more effectively and targeted and more economically than you ever could in if you went straight with with a printed or, or you know, direct mail. Yes. And uh, I think this is awesome about, you know, you're, you guys are you are uh, approaching people, reaching out to them through multiple channels. And I think that's even more uh, necessary when we look to the ag business in general, because, uh, well, in in theory, or like if you look at uh, historically, it can be a more traditional market, right? Uh, uh, with a lot of face-to-face in-person uh, interactions and all of that, and, uh, you know, printing media, billboards or anything like that. Uh, but as we have the ages changing, as you mentioned, you have different generations. We are in a really, uh, we're in a moment of transition, right? And uh, the digital is coming. Some people will not care about it, but lots of them will. So first thing, you have these different generations interacting and you need to have different approaches to them. Then you have different um, audience profiles because sometimes you're going to be talking to a producer that requires a certain uh, level of information or knowledge or technical information and uh, 
Also, there's a specific way how you want to address that to them, even if it's a technical uh, a te a technical information. What's the right wording? How is the copywriting to talk to that uh, that person in comparison, uh, for example, to a veterinarian or a nutritionist uh, that will require more technical knowledge? And by what I'm noticing, are usually also a little bit more open uh, when it comes to other, you know, other a little bit more innovative uh, media formats that that can be, I don't know, podcasts, that can be webinars or different ways, right? As they require also. So it's a transition, a transition period with uh, different players uh, in different generations. So if you decide to, uh, uh, one, one thing I always, always think is this, this, this industry, I don't think it will ever like, uh, um, be only on the digital uh the in person no no will always be part of it you right. need to be in trade shows you need to be in uh conferences you need to visit your customer you need to drive to their farms and talk to them uh but on the side you don't want to leave it to the chance of like only meeting those people like a few times in a year when you're visiting them or you're in a trade show you need to, while you're doing that, you also need to have some co consistent and frequent presence uh, in their, you know, routine. If if it's in the magazine they're reading or the podcast they're listening to or the website they're visiting, you need to be present. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you can't afford, I mean, certainly if I look 20 years ago, right? And, and let's just talk about, we can talk about Iowa or Wisconsin. I spent a lot of my career in Wisconsin. Um, and the number of dairy farms, right, that used to be there that, you know, if I think about just my parents road, right, and the number of dairy farms 20 years ago that were there, and now there's next, there's not very many, right, that still have cows in the barn. And, and, and so you got to drive as a salesperson, you drive a lot further to find your customer, right? And so you can't afford to only focus on that in person. But, but I think you're right, Ricardo, that the relationship piece of our business of agriculture I don't, I, no matter how big that farm is, I don't see that going away. I really don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, and honestly, uh, not for every industry, but I see this for a lot of other industries also, although we are every day, we are more familiar with the, the digital world, uh, the human interaction will always, uh, you know, be on the top for me. Yeah. Cool. Um, and when it comes when it comes to you know producing technical content and uh, talking about technical positioning uh, positioning for uh, for a brand, how 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 important do you see that? Because again, you sometimes you're talking to a producer, you don't need to go deep on technical matters. Sometimes it's more relevant for them to understand the economic economic side of things, you know, and how how they can. Uh, increase their profitability and all those things. Uh, but on the side to, to, to get those results, a better profitability and, you know, uh, you need to, there's a lot of technical things around that and other players, not only the producers, you have the, the nutritionists, uh, you have the veterinarians, production managers and so on. So how, how important do you see, you know, bringing content in a more technical way? Uh, to the audiences uh, in the dairy industry? Well, you know, I think first off, just like anything, you have to know your audience, right? 
and you, you have to also know where they're at in the buyer's journey. So, you know, if they're, if they're just kind of looking around, scoping things out, um, versus if they're like totally ready to pull the trigger, those are two different messages. And I also think it, it truly depends on the technical level of your product, right? So if I, you, you know, we, we have reams of research I and mean, we're blessed to have reams of research at Diamond B that we've done specifically in the dairy industry on, on both adult cows and in cows and heifers. Um, and although that those reams of research are, are so fascinating and so, so deep ingrained into our culture and our products and our success, there's a time and a place for those reams of data, right? It's, it's, um, you don't show up on the first date. I was equated to dating. It's like, you don't show up on the first date and say, hey, let's have four kids, right? It's like, you, you got to start with coffee and then maybe meet your parents. And and I think the same is true how you deliver that technical information, right? And and if you use something as simple as as exercise, right? So maybe your, your very high level um, introduction is, hey, exercise is good for your heart. And then like, 30 minutes a day of exercise can improve heart health by whatever. And that, you know, the, the deeper you get into that conversation, the more you pull in those technical, those technical aspects. But at the very core, exercise is good for your heart, right? And so if we think about, you know, we can apply that same, that same simplicity to any, any industry. And if I, certainly look at how technical the dairy industry can be um, at the very, very core of it. Healthy cows perform better, right? That's, that's at the very, at the highest level of the message. And then, then you go down and, and as you go down, you get deeper into that, those technical, those technical things. So, so is, is technical information a part of our daily life? It absolutely is for us here. Um, but it's your it's your understanding your audience and where they're at in the buyer's journey um, will tell you the level at which you need to dig into that technical information, right? A, a veterinarian or a nutritionist, you don't need to tell them that healthy cows perform better, right? You don't need to tell a producer that either, right? But that, but that that and I'm oversimplifying it, but that's you know that idea that you give them enough for them to say, well, how tell me more about that, right? Or how do I get those he healthy cows? Or, um, so, so yeah. That's, that's awesome. I, I, I love this on how you're going to go, you're going deeper and deeper in terms of, uh, level of technical knowledge or information, uh, and how you can engage different players within those different levels, right? So you have a storytelling, you have a, uh, you know of uh, of content and you can get deeper on on uh, on knowledge but then you'll probably be engaging with different people along that way and you have also different paths for different uh different uh different players and uh it's uh the, the approach that we have here at wise Anatics, we do a lot of basically our main focus is uh great content right bringing the brightest minds in the industry together to create content uh, and make this content uh, accessible uh, for people. And one thing that I think it's really relevant in, in all, all this way of content and levels of, uh, of knowledge and information is that 
well, first language, you need to know like who is listening to you. So you deliver the right la uh, message with the, uh, the right uh, approach, the right language. And also uh, we as a podcast company, you know, the, the format you're delivering the information also, uh, like this is really relevant for us. We want to bring, we bring a lot of technical content. Sometimes it's more technical. Sometimes it's uh, less. It will depend on like the, the guests we're having and also who is going to be listening to us. Um, but the cool thing here is that there are, there is space for everyone. You can have the content for the producer. You can have the content for the nutritionist and engage them in the right time uh, with the right, the right message. You were talking before here, uh, you were talking before about like the message, the simplified message, the core, like having a core guide, uh, message guide for uh, people, for your sales team or anything like that. And this is something also that we really try to bring when it comes to our communication, okay, on a corporate level, is that you need to be able uh, to present an idea and show uh, to a person like what you do in like one or two sentences, very objective. That's that's when you know you have a clear message and that people can absorb and understand your business. I changed subjects here, but yeah, just you're remember right. the 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 just just got the hook on uh, what you brought before. No, that is awesome. Uh, so and all this technical content is related also to what we call brand authority or thought leadership. How how do you guys work your thought leadership uh, within Diamond V? Sure. Uh, this is definitely a big, um, it, it's a big area of importance for me. I think it's something that if you are going to be a leader in your market, um, you have to, you have to provide thought leadership. It can't always be a sales pitch, right? Um, and so I think um, a couple of different things. Um, I think you have to be very real with yourself about which conversations you have earned the right to win, right? Like, so there's conversations that I don't, we don't have that level of expertise to go out and, and write an editorial about it, right? Nor should we try to, it's not our space. Um, but there are absolutely areas, um, you know, wh whether it's around gut health or, or feed efficiency or immunity or whatever, um, that we absolutely have earned the right to win. And, and so I think that's probably first is understanding, you know, what it is that you got, you've earned that right to win. And then what is it that your customers need information about or want information about, um, and, and making sure that you're appealing to that, um, to that topic area. Right. Um, and I think lastly, it's really about telling the story in a way that people want to hear it. Um, you bring up a really good perspective, Ricardo, on, um, you know, like podcasts, for example, right? Like I'm not a giant podcast listener. I'm trying to, to do better, but there's other people that like, that's where they get all of their information. And so, you know, when, and thought leadership is, and is no different that you have to, you have to tell that, that story in multiple formats, whether it's through a podcast, through a webinar, through an editorial, through a blog. Um, and, and again, know the level of expert that of technical expertise that that particular audience is wanting from that platform. Um, and then be consistent, right? Be consistent with that. Um, keep showing up, right. Um, and figuring out, you know, we've got a couple different 
couple different kind of themes right now in our thought leadership calendar that we're, we're constantly like figuring out how do we, how do we continue to tell that, right? Where's another way we can, another area that we can plug that in. Um, and whether that's, it might be simple as social media. It might be, um, featuring that person in a, in a trade seminar it might be, um, you know, getting that person in a podcast, um, but continuing to tell that, um, it's not, it can't be a one and done, right? We did write an editorial, it got published and that was wonderful, but how else do we, how else do we get those sound bites in to the industry so that it becomes, that theme becomes more and more familiar with, with our audience. Perfect. A consistent message with a consistent, consistent frequency, you know, reaching out to people, uh, making them aware of it, repeating. Uh, this is something we, we really, like, we really aim, we try always to aim to be, you know, consistent on the content we're producing. And of course, like, uh, what I'm going to say right now, like, uh, I hope it doesn't sound like you should not care for excellence. You should always care for excellence on what you're doing. And again, uh, understanding what are, what is your space of expertise, right? You were talking like, hey, there are a few topics you should not even try to go deeper on them because they, they're not your area of focus or your expertise. You should know where you are playing. Uh, but also, sometimes when it comes to content production, okay, uh, thinking about content production, about frequency, being in touch with, uh, with uh, the audience, is that it doesn't, it doesn't work like try to create the perfect post or the perfect, you know, the the perfect piece of content. If that takes months and months to to be accomplished, and then you don't have a consistent frequency of production of that content or follow up on that content, right? You need to have the excellence, of course, excellence, quality always come first. But still, you need to find a way of doing an excellent job, but with frequency being there, uh, being present in the routine of your audience. Nice. Uh, Sarah, so now talking a little bit more about pro productivity and about, you know, um, well, other things in terms of business. Uh, first thing is that what is, what is a common myth about your job position, like a marketing manager? What, what people usually think about it that it's not entirely true? Um, this is one of my favorite questions, Ricardo. <laughs> um, and, um, I think the number one myth around marketing is that marketing equals pretty brochures. And, um, my husband and I laugh about it. You know, if I say like, I'm going to go to work, he's like, how many brochures are you working on today? And while that absolutely is part of my day, right? We do, we do that, right? Um, it is so much deeper than that. And I think, um, we get, we get, uh, pushed into a corner. Um, we, we get put in a corner so easily. Um, and I've seen this, I've seen this my whole career is that if you have that word marketing in your, in your title, it, it, it means that you only, you know, do certain things. Right. And reality is, is that like, I've done product formulation, I've done product development, pricing, you know, developed awesome relationships with customers. And all of those things, some people would say those aren't marketing. Though maybe they're not, but maybe they are, right? It it and so I think it's it's about 
it's about the person and the skills they bring to the table and not so much about the title. So I, I have to, I, I find myself reminding folks of that often that it's, it's not all about pretty brochures. So when you, when you talk about also not only about the job title, but, uh, about the person that is, uh, you know, executing their functions there, what, what would you, how would you describe, uh, that the most, or what are the most, uh, relevant or important personality traits, uh, for someone to work in a marketing position and be successful at it? You got to know how to work hard. Uh, you got to want to work hard. I think that is, that is, th there's a lot of balls in the air at one time and you have to, in any given day, you have to be able to juggle them very, very quickly. Um, and I think it's different in every organization, right? But if I look in just in the roles that I've had, it's, it's, um, it is absolutely absolutely being able to multitask and and understand what your priorities are for that day and maybe it's what your priorities are for that afternoon or that hour right and because they they could change quickly um i also think that that ability to listen um whether that's to your sales team that ability to listen to the customer um, and to put down those biases that you think you might have, um, you know, I, I very much, I will absolutely admit I have a Midwest dairy industry bias. Um, that's where I've spent the majority of my career. And, you know, that's that's where our family farm is. Um, and so I don't know. I don't I don't know here as much about the um, Western. If we look just here in the U.S., the Western industry or or if, you know, lots of my job is is for our global markets. Um, but it's really about listening and understanding and seeking to understand. Um, and so I think that's, that's definitely a big one. Um, and then, and then that ability that, um, you know, you don't have to be the expert in everything, right? Like, do I like to dabble in, in, you know, design stuff for my kids at school? Sure. Am I creative? Am I creative designer? Absolutely not. Right. That is not my. But I, I have wonderful designers, designers on our team that really like can help me to bring those ideas to life. And um, so I think that that would probably be the third one is is don't don't try to be everything to everybody, but surround yourself with people that um, can help you bring bring those projects to fruition. Perfect. So making a connection to this point, you know, uh, that's that's something really important. T today, I see myself a little bit more as a generalist person, uh, as I've been through different, you know, different industries, different positions, and I think uh, all of these experiences helped me grow a lot. Although today, I'm not really, I don't have a I'm not a specialist, right, in a specific point. Uh, so you were talking about you need to be surrounded by the right people, the people that will understand about algorithms or about creativity and uh, copywriting or design or anything like that. Uh, so that also involves, you know, not only having the people uh, around you, but managing teams. You mentioned that uh, managing people is uh, one, one of, you know, one of the top experiences you had and the things you've learned with. Uh, what, how would you... What are the, you know, if, if you had to summarize and bring the main aspects about managing people, managing teams, like 
what what those would be? You know, as I look back at my experience and and I've I've managed a, a range of people, some that in reality I I probably had no business managing, right? They had reams of, they had years of experience beyond mine. And um and some that were far greater in their career than than I was at the time. But um but it, we made it work, right? And and it, it wasn't necessarily easy, but but we definitely definitely made it work. And I think one of the one of the big things is it and one of the big things I think in managing people and managing teams and whether they're your direct report or they're in your area of influence um, is getting them involved, getting people involved at the right time, right? The worst thing you can do um, is say, we all, and I'm paraphrasing, but we all met, you weren't invited, but here's what you have to do, right? That's nobody wants, nobody wants that. Reality is it happens, right? Because we, we move so fast that we don't stop to think like, hey, if I invite them to the meeting, they'll have a really great perspective and then I will have to meet with them afterwards to tell them, you know, and, and so I think, I think that's, again, whether you're, you're managing them as a direct line report or you're, you're, it's in your area of influence is, is making sure you get people involved at the right time, right? Nobody, nobody wants to just be order takers. Um, I think the other big thing is managing expectations and outcomes and not managing time. Um, I, I always tell the people I manage that I have a hard enough time managing my own time. I'm not going to manage yours, right? That, um, that these are, you know, if, if we share a common, if, if we're, we're understood on the level or the expectation and the outcomes that are expected by the, by the what and by when, um, then I don't need to manage your time. I don't, I don't care if you do it at seven in the morning or seven at night, right? Um, I do care that you got it done. So I think, I think, um, giving people a voice, having them be involved in the, in the process, um, and then really managing the outcome versus the time I think is, is how you bring people along again, whether you, you're, they directly report to you or, or if they, if they don't. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we do our, um, like our objectives for the quarter, every Every person in the company has their own objectives, like what do they, their goals, what do they want to accomplish? Uh, this is something that we, we bring guidelines about like the, the company, where we are heading to, what we want to accomplish in that quarter. And based on that, people define their own, their own goals and their own objectives. So I think that is really aligned. Like it's not only, Hey, you need to do this, deliver this. And of course there are a few things that you have to do. It's a, it's a job at the end of the day. There are things that sometimes we will not, you, you don't love to do those things, but they are needed and they are expected from you. But at the same time, being able to, uh, help building, uh, the path to the objective, you know, uh, participating in this process brings a lot of, you know, ownership to the, the person that is executing. And, uh, it definitely makes things more pleasant, you know, they enjoy For more sure. the way. For That's sure. awesome. Yeah. And care uh, care yeah. about weekend, care about their kids' stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, it'll go away further and they'll care about you. They'll care about your kids' stuff, right? Like it, it's, it's definitely a two way, a two way street for sure. hundred percent. 
Cool. Uh, Sarah, I know you have a hard stop, uh, so you, you have to jump uh, to a meeting. But just so we can wrap up here, um, just the final thoughts and a few recommendations and uh, just a, uh, some curiosities here. So if, yeah. if, you, if you were not in a marketing, if you were not a marketing manager in the dairy industry, uh, what, what would you like to do or would you like to try? Oh, um, oh gosh, what do I want to be when I grow up? Is that really what you're, what you're asking me? <laughs> oh, that's what? Um, if I were going to stay in agriculture, um, I absolutely would farm and, um, I would specifically dairy farm. Um, I'm not, I'm not an agronomy person. I, I want to know that somebody else did that and, and has really good feed waiting for me. But um, I'm not an agronomy person, so I I would want to do something with the animals. I'm super passionate about the like the the transition period, the maternity barn, and then like the baby calf period. So if I could just manage that like little area of time, um, if I if I were gonna be way outside the box, um, I've always had the back of my head that I would um, if I if I fail in agriculture, I'm either gonna be a hairstylist. I'm going to own a bar or a restaurant. Nice. So. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if I would own a bar, but I'll definitely uh, be present in a few. <laughs> I, like to, I, I like to attend to bars. Let's see. <laughs> Go to bars. Uh, cool. Um, Sarah, your biggest failure and what did you learn from that experience? Boy. Um... I don't know if there was, if I can say there's like a point in time, um, but you know, if I rewind 20 years ago, Ricardo, and I think back to the cards that were stacked against me, um, first off, I don't have a, a agriculture degree, right? I have a public relations degree. Second of all, and it's not as critical today as it was then, but when, when I was 22 years old and, and a, a blonde haired girl from Iowa who hadn't been too far out of the Midwest. Um, there was a lot of naysayers, right? A lot of people that said that I didn't have what it took to be in agriculture. And, and, and I scratched my head looking back to some of those conversations now. And, you know, those, those conversations can, can get in your head, right. And they can either bring you down or they can have you run faster. Um, and so I think, I think if I look back, um, there were a few times that I let them, let those naysayers kind of get in my head and, you know, it's, it's seeking those people that, um, that believed in you, right. It's, it's finding those people, right. That stick out in your mind that, that believed in you and, um, and forgetting the rest of them. So I, I don't know if I have a point in time, but, you know, I definitely can remember this one conversation that I had and I was. It was, I don't even know if I was out of college and the, the gentleman across the table looked at me and absolutely told me that I, I didn't really have what it took to work in agriculture. And I, it just, I think back and what I wouldn't give to go talk to him again and, you know, just understand like, what was it that he thought I didn't have? Right. So anyway, don't let people get in your head. Yes. Good, good. Um, Last question uh, here that I have, Sarah, is that if you could be remembered for one thing, 
what would it be? Um, I think, um, I think being kind, Ricardo, and I know that's a super generic term and people, I do not use that term lightly. Um, I don't really care how smart you are or how much money you have or what success is to you. If you aren't kind to people in your life, it doesn't, it doesn't matter right? None of that, none of that matters, right? And I think I've learned this the hard way. Um, they'll never put, they'll never put your company's logo on your tombstone, right? But they will put the things that matter on your tombstone. And so I think, um, I think if you're kind, I, I don't know, I think kindness is just such a big, is such a big, needs to be a big part of our life. And, um, and it's it's almost a lost. I think we're losing it as a society. Um, and so kindness for sure. Sarah, wrapping up here, uh, where can listeners find you online? Yeah, connect. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to connect. If you look me up on Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, send me an email. Uh, my email address is uh, Sarah underscore Sievert at DiamondV.com. Um, yeah, I'm always looking for for new opportunities to connect with folks. That's awesome. Sarah, thanks a lot for your time today. Again, it was a great conversation. I really loved it. And for everyone that is uh, listening to us until now, uh, I hope that you enjoyed the conversation and I see you on our next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.